Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Testament, I'm glad you kept it short, uh, OJ. <laughs> Oh, superb. Isn't it amazing? Do you know the stories that are going on in this house of people's lives as they're pushing into God? Do you know, this is a key thing here. Uh, If you want God to bless you in your life, you want the miracle breakthrough, you've got to put yourself in a place where it will take, where it happened. You've got to put yourself in that place. Um, And uh, otherwise, you know, you can be praying for something, but if you're praying for something, but you don't put yourself in a place where the prayer can come through to you, then it can't come through to you. And uh, OJ, you know, he never got his mortgage until he phoned the bank. He didn't, he didn't, those things didn't happen until he, he made something happen. And I, I really want to encourage you, if you want a breakthrough, then put yourself in that position where it can begin to take place. Amen? We're going to continue our series. While we're doing that, I encourage you, Route 66, it's a leadership academy. We need loads more leaders. We need to train, establish more leaders. We've got so many exciting things happening next year. uh, And we need to uh, develop the call of God on people's lives. And and, uh, I just want to say that um, uh, the Bible says that uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And uh, we need, uh, we always um, wrestle with the development of leadership, ministry, gifting, uh, and develop that gift and talent. You know what? It's not good enough to have a talent. You've got to train it into a ministry capacity. Amen? Um, you know, you could be a child that's talented at drawing, but unless you train them to draw, then that, that gift is wasted. And so it's not about the gift that you have in your heart. It's how it's been developed. And so we want to develop people's lives and give them the capacity to do that. Amen? Okay, uh, we're doing our Build It series, and last week I spoke about Build It Clearer. And the essential es- message uh, is the fact that the Build It Clearer is, is simply about speaking a message which is clearly understood to the church, uh, not just to the church, but to society. Jesus said um, to, his, uh, to, to God in, in, in John's Gospel, he's praying, and he's talking to the Lord, and, and he says, um, he, he's speaking about how... Uh, he and the Father are one. And he said, but these, the disciples, he says, are in the world. In other words, I'm going up to heaven, but these guys are still here. And so what happens when we're in the world? And being in the world, we have to be clear with the message that Jesus has given us that we may be able to communicate his truth, that it may be understood. Amen. The second, um, this morning, I want to speak um, on build it stronger. This is another aspect that we want to be people to understand. And... I did a series three, I think it was three years ago, or was it two years ago? Do you remember? Who remembers the press-ups on the stage? That was a, uh, in fact, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing it again. And uh, I need to do it again. And actually, uh, Jim went to the, Jim went to the gym. And uh, we weren't sure which gym Jim was in. And uh, (laughs) he's still going to the gym as a result of that stronger series. Isn't that extraordinary? And so, um, and so we understand that strength, um, that strength, that God wants us to be strong and effective people. But we often think that strength comes from reading the Bible and prayer and uh, the supernatural touch of the Holy Spirit. All of those things are, are true, but 
more than strength, actually what those things do is, is give us health. Actually, strength actually comes from something else. Um, when Joshua was uh, newly appointed as the leader of Israel, he's given a word from God uh, that he has to be strong. His, his responsibility is to take a children of the children of Israel who've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. They've been in slavery for 400 years. They've got a slave mindset. They've come out of 400 years of slavery into 40 years of wandering around the desert. And they still got that mindset. And Joshua now has to turn these people into a army that can defeat um, empires, that can take down uh, strongholds. And, and you know, that's a task and a half. And, and, and Joshua is the leader. And and Joshua is told seven times, three times by Moses and four times by God to be strong and full of courage. Now, if being strong and full of courage is a command, how do you command strength? How, I mean, how, how do you command that? That's like, you know, it's all very well saying, be strong, Brian. But, you know, strength is something that... Strength is something you feel like you have, and when you feel like you haven't got it, how many of you know what it feels like to not feel strong? Not just physically, actually, it's not the physical strength, it's the mental strength, isn't it? How many times you've got a moment in your life, you just feel exhausted, mentally, emotionally, like, I don't know whether I can do this. That kind of strength, and, and that's the kind of strength that Joshua, Joshua was a warrior, um, but it wasn't the strength that God uh, was after he wasn't after the strength of his arm he was after the strength of his mind so what we're going to do is we're going to look at um, Elisha to understand this question and we're going to going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 21 it says so Elijah went and found uh, Elisha son of Shaphat plowing a field there were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing the 12th team Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak across his shoulders, then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First let me go, kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plough to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Now, Elisha is working in the field, minding his own business. And then he's touched by God to become Elijah's assistant and to become a prophet. Here he is. He's a businessman. He's a farmer. He's the, uh, he's the heir of an estate of a large field. Twelve yoke of oxen. That's 24 oxen um, plowing a field. That's a big field. And that's a lot of workers. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a big estate going on right there. And here is um, Elijah. And he um, is he's working uh, and he's in the, sorry, Elisha, and he's working in the field, and Elijah comes along, throws his cloak, which his mantle, it's a, it represents a, come and follow me. It's, this is, the mantle represented Elijah's ministry, his anointing, the gift, the call that rested on his life. It was kind of what his cloak, uh, cloak was, uh, represented that. It's a, it's a very strong Jewish tradition when Jesus was um, the woman who was sick in the crowd. She went and grabbed 
Jesus' the corner of Jesus' cloak, his, his corner. She grabbed the corners of it um, and she was healed. It was understood the anointing of ministry, the Word of God, was, was sewn into this cloak. Um, that's another message right there. Anyway, here is Elijah and he throws his coat over Elisha. And Elisha knows the importance of this. And he runs and he says to Elijah, um, listen, um, let me just go kiss him goodbye and I'll, I'll join you. And Elijah, you know, Elijah's thinking, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Um, bearing in mind, he had to, you know, kill. And it took quite a long time to do all that other stuff. And Elijah was gone by then. And so he had to do it. And Elijah says, look, just think about what I've done to you. Make sure you understand. And Elisha's life is changed from that moment on. Now, you see, there's no greater action you can do to make yourself strong than to make strong decisions. Strength comes in the heart, comes from strong decisions. See, Elisha was a man who, well, he was the heir of his estate. And he had to make strong decisions. See, every decision you make has an effect on the health of your heart and on your mind. Pastor Ashley always used to say this. He used to stand up and he'd go, Now listen, mate. <laughs> Life is about decisions. <laughs> And he would just go, life is about decisions. And you know what? Life is wrapped up by our decisions. Our decisions frame everything that happens to us. Everything that happens around us, it happens because of decisions that we are making. If we learn how to make strong decisions, we learn how to gather strength around the heart rather than to allow our heart and our mind to become weak to be hurt, to become offended by the events that are coming, that are happening around us. Elisha was a great man. Elisha was a good man. He was a businessman. He was a man popular with his friends. He was a worker. And there he is. And he's, the, he's working the 12th yoke, uh, yoke, which basically means that the, you have these 12 yoke of oxen. Oxen's working pairs. And the first one is breaking up the field. And so the, you would have all your workers and they would be breaking. The 12th yoke of oxen is the last one. And that's the one that's preparing the land ready for harvest. That's the, the final work of the oxen. And so that's where the head was always found. And so there's Elisha and he's got all his men and they're working the field. This is his inheritance. This is his life. These are his friends. This is his lifestyle. This is what he understands. There is his mum and dad. They're in the house. They've got a son who can do the work for them. So they're kind of sitting pretty and this is all happening and he's got his world it's happening for him but suddenly he's been touched by God to do something else a mantle is thrown over him and he has to make a strong decision that strong decision is a decision which not only changed his world but changed the world of Israel at the time you know you know we can we can think that that we want to be strong, that we want to be successful, but, but we have to learn how to make strong decisions. It says in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, it says this. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, it says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You see, we simply get strong by making strong decisions. And we get there by facing 
the challenge and the circumstances and the situations that we are faced with and discovering that God has got a plan for your life, how do I make a strong decision? I spoke about giving and tithing this morning. I had to make a strong decision coming out of poverty, coming out of brokenness. There have been many times in mine and Cheryl's life when we've been penniless, when we've had no money, but the money we come in, we come and we bring it and we give it to God. We've given everything to God three times. We've given everything away and God has always returned to us. I want you to understand that there is a moment in your life when you have to make a strong decision. And not just live out of the poverty and the smallness of thinking, you have to make a strong decision. When Cheryl and I, were, um, we were touched by God to come and plant a church. I had a dream and a, a, a heart to plant a church, but I had a family business. I was like Elisha, only not quite so powerful. <laughs> I was, there's my mum and dad, they're getting to a point of retirement. I'm working the business, I've got my brothers working for me, and we're just going away. And I had my world. I had my, my, my mum and dad, the family business. I had my family, I had my friends, I had the little world that we lived in and the small market town. Our family were there, our cousins were there, our cousins' cousins were there, everyone was there, the dog was there. <laughs> it was just, that was the world we lived in, just a little family world. People, we would, we would um, be in the house and friends and family would just walk in and out all day, every day. That was the world we lived in. But the mantle of God was thrown upon us to come and plant a church in Aberdeen, 650 miles away, where, where people don't even speak English. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I can say that now and get away with it, can't I? I think I can. And we made that, we made that decision. And it was, what's happening now is as a result of a strong decision. That decision was what gave us strength. You know what would have given us weakness, disappointment, heartache? Not making that decision. We would have spent the rest of our life going, what would have happened if? How many times have you missed an opportunity? You know you missed an opportunity and you're going, what would have happened if? You spend the rest of your life wondering if, but you know you've got to, it's too late, you've got to shut that door, you've got to walk away, and you've got to find another opportunity to make another strong decision. Well, God wants us to understand that your life is framed in strength by making strong decisions. When uh, He spoke to, a light, uh, to Joshua, be strong and courageous, Joshua's life from there on in was making strong decisions. He then had to make a decision. What do I do about Jericho? What do I do about the defeated AI? What do I do? in these situations you make a strong decision you don't sit and complain you don't sit and wallow in, the, in, your, in your mistakes in your heartache in your sorrow there are many times in our life when things go wrong and at that moment of mistake in that moment of heartache in that moment of disappointment the only thing that's going to give you strength is a strong decision it's that decision that, no, you know what? I'm going to trust Jesus right now I'm not going to sit here lick my wounds and feel sorry for myself I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to go again. I've been faced with a challenge. I'm going to walk away from my old life and I'm going to follow a new life. And you know, there are times in our life when we have to make those strong decisions. We've got to kiss goodbye to what kept us in the same place. You say, David, he had to make a strong decision. David chose uh, to house the Ark of the Covenant. 
The Ark of the Covenant was held. It was the, ho- the Ark of the Covenant. It's the mercy seat. It's the Holy of Holies. It's the, the central piece of furniture which represented the presence, the glory and the blessings of God. It is the most pure and the most holy um, article that the children of Israel had. Only the Philistines had nicked it. And... Uh, which was a bit of a, you know, they didn't understand that when nicking, life wasn't going well for them for nicking it, which you can understand. And uh, I just nicked the presence of God. And uh, so, uh, you know, not a good thing to steal, right? And so, and anyway, uh, David decides to go and take it back. But instead of taking it back, when he, when he gets it, he gets to a place where he goes, but they're a little ignorant of the, the way you should handle the, and they build a cart. Um, actually, the cart was a cart that the type of carts the Philistines would use. They get it back, but they treat it disrespectfully. And then one of the children of Israel, he, he, he steadies the, the cart when the oxen stumble and he's killed by the presence of God. And, and, um, and suddenly David, he's in this like, oh my goodness, this, the, the Ark of the Covenant is pure, it's holy. Um, we haven't treated it respectfully. What am I going to do? It? Oh, no, there's a bloke over there. We're sticking it in his house. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> so they stuck it in Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom was actually one of the sons of Korah, who were actually gatekeepers. They had to actually, it was their responsibility, actually, of making sure that this was looked after. And uh, so Obed-Edom uh, ended up taking care of it, and he starts getting blessed. But David had to make a strong decision. What do I do with the Ark of Covenant? Do I take it back to Shiloh, where the tabernacle is? No. You know what? He made a strong decision. He decided to build a tent and a tabernacle in um, uh, where he was, he decided to build it there so that the children of Israel could worship God in all his purity and holiness. And he established a, a, a tabernacle, a forerunner to the church that we understand today. He established for 40 years this place where the Holy of Holies could be accessed through worship, through praise, and through entering into the presence of God. In all of those turmoil, David made a strong, strong decision. And that decision brought blessing on the children of Israel. I want you to understand there are many moments in your life when you're left with turmoil. But you've got to understand that it's a strong decision that will lead you into the presence of God. It's a strong decision which will break away the spirit of fear. And so um, it says here, and let me carry on this. In 2 Samuel 6 verse 20, it says this. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, that's his wife, she's a woman, The daughter of Saul (laughs) came out to meet him. She said in disgust how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David was dancing, by the way, if you're wondering what he was doing, exposing himself to the servant girls. It wasn't just, you know, he was dancing and, you know, near naked. Anyway, so David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me, he's a great comeback this, who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as leader of, the, of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. And yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. David made a strong decision. What was his strongest decision? Out of all of those decisions, his strongest decision was to worship God as if he was a nobody. 
His strongest decision was to not walk around and say, I'm the king, look at the king, here's the king, here's the presence of God, I, me, and the, me and the presence of God, we're like this, you're not quite so like that, but come with me. Which is what Saul did. That's what Saul did. Saul did, I'm the king. No, what did David do? David threw um, off um, almost all of his clothes and he danced like a crazy man, like you would on a Saturday night when you've had one too many. Only we don't do that, do we? (laughs) We don't have to have one too many. But we can dance before the Lord. And so David, he humiliated himself before the people so that he may reveal the nature of his heart that he was still and always going to be first and foremost a worshipper of God. He made a strong decision about the type of kingdom he was going to lead and what kind of king he was going to be. He made a strong decision. And I want you to understand today that there are moments in our lives when we have to make strong decisions. Elisha had to make a strong decision and that strong decision was to simply leave it all behind. You know, there are moments in our lives when we have to leave behind who we were that we might become who God wants us to be. There are points in our life that we are framed by culture, we're framed by um, a history, we're framed by our family, we're framed by um, the, the events of our circumstances of our lives. We're framed. What I mean by that, but these are boundaries which are placed upon us. And God is saying, I just want you to live outside of that boundary. To, to live outside of that boundary, you're going to have to kiss that goodbye. We had to kiss our family goodbye. Kiss our family and our friends goodbye. We didn't walk away from our family and friends. We kissed them goodbye. To kiss someone goodbye is to say, I love you, but I'm not living with you. You with me here? I love you, but I'm not living with you. I'm not rejecting you. I'm just telling you that this is where I'm going. And Elisha had to say to his mum and dad, yeah, the family business thing, the, the, you know, the family estate and all of that, you know, have to go to somebody else. I'm going with Elijah. And he kissed them goodbye. Sometimes we've got to leave behind what it is. We've got to leave behind what it is that, that we thought was wonderful. You've got to leave it behind that you might follow God. In this church, there are times when we have to leave behind who we were that we might become something that God has called us to be. Sometimes we have to leave behind the culture of who we were as a church. Just kiss it goodbye and say that was a wonderful season in our life. But I'm kissing that goodbye because in my future is something far more glorious, far more amazing that God has got for my life. I'm not leaving my friends. I'm not rejecting my friends. I'm just kissing them and saying this is the direction I'm going. If you want to live with me in that place, kiss that world goodbye and join me. But Elisha made the decision, kiss it goodbye. Kiss it goodbye. And he moved into the call of God that was upon his life. You know, this morning, church, I want you to understand that we are not here to break relationships. We're not here to break friendships. We're not here to walk away from people we love. We are here to set a pathway that leads people into liberty and freedom. You know, when Cheryl and I were in Australia, this time last year, in fact, this time last year, we had just gotten home. Facebook has this habit of, um, as you post, it reminds you what you posted a year ago. Who's who's had that? You go to post a picture and it says, one year ago, this is what you were doing. And I was on the, 
I was on Facebook and I posted a picture and it said, one year ago, this is what you were doing. And we were actually in the airport coming home from Australia. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not as bad as actually, you know, a few days before when it said, this is what you were doing. And there we were in actually, not Australia, we were in Malaysia. And it was just, <laughs> it was just like, oh. And, uh, <laughs> and so, it, it, you know, we were, we were in that place. Um, and there we were in Australia. I can't think why I'm telling you this story. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> you know what happens is that a man can forget his message very quickly when he starts thinking about his holidays. <laughs> I know, kiss it goodbye and move on. I, you know, my brain is racing through every aspect of that story right now. Uh, and all of it is wonderful, but none of it is relevant. And so, <laughs> uh, that's called a brain fart, by the way. Hey, uh, you know, God, <laughs> I'm allowed to say that I'm the pastor. I, uh, <laughs> I need you to understand that this church is making strong decisions for 2015. When we were asked to take on Inverness, we made a strong decision. It wasn't the easiest decision. It certainly isn't a cheap decision. But it is a strong decision. And it's a decision which I've discovered has put strength in the hearts of the lives of the people in the church. I made a strong decision. Now, when I wake up in the morning, I don't think about... Aberdeen, I think Aberdeen and Inverness. When I'm doing my message preparation, I'm not just thinking about the guys who are preaching, I'm also thinking about Owen up in Inverness. When we're doing our midweeks, I'm not just thinking about here, I'm thinking about Inverness. And all the time I'm thinking about this, the spine gets stiffened, the heart starts on, and I start to pray and start to get strong in the spirit. But I found this, that within the church, people are looking around. They want, they want to do something strong for God. And suddenly, here is, a strong decision makes people strong. And they start rising up in the heart. When we decided to... to, to um, adjust the Sunday night service, we adjust the chairs, we adjust the lighting, we adjust the atmosphere, and we, 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 we focus on worship and the declaration of Jesus Christ. Last week, we saw, um, was it four or five people respond? We've seen nine people respond to Jesus in the last two weeks of this church. We've seen people being touched by God and this place. We've seen miracles beginning to break out and healing power just spontaneously working through the congregation. How does that happen? Strong decisions that says, you know what? I'm not just going to keep doing the same old, same old. I'm not going to live with the comfort of what we always know. We're going to change it and we're going to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. It's a strong decision that leads people into a strong gospel that puts a strong heart and a strength into people's hearts and lives. I want to encourage you, make a strong decision for your life. Don't let your life be weakened by the circumstances and situations of your, uh, uh, of your life and, the, and the, the traumas and the difficulties of what happens to you. Make a strong decision that you may discover what it is to follow Jesus Christ and to know the fullness of His gospel. Don't hold back. Don't go 50%. Don't just do what the world do. Just go a little bit here and a little bit there. Don't hedge your bets, but invest your entire life into God and serving Him fully. Make a strong decision and you will understand what strength really is. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.